Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short, about a 13-minute Bible study each day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word and thereby helping us to stay strong and grow stronger in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody grow stronger in their faith. You may help somebody come to God through Jesus Christ. You may help somebody ultimately get to heaven. What a great, what a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. Now, I want us to get back into our new line of thought and study that we're talking about the wiles of the devil. Well, at least eight of them I'm going to share with you. You can probably come up with some others. We take from, we, we take as our basic text, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 and 11, where the apostle Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's a good descriptive word, wiles of the devil, W-I-L-E-S. It means schemings, schemings. Well, then Paul goes into a lengthy dissertation on, on the implements of spiritual armor that God has prepared for us. To be able to effectively, if we will put those pieces on and wear those pieces of spiritual armor on a daily basis, we'll be able to stand against the wiles or the schemings of the devil. We will not let him be victorious over us and lead us away from God through sinfulness. And so Paul talks about those implements. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Verse 13, and then he talks about those pieces of armor. Gird your, self, gird your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And also pray, pray. Well, what are some of the wiles of the devil or the ways that the devil schemes to try to pull you into sin and therefore condemnation? Well, we've talked about one, and that is stealth. The devil likes to stay in stealth mode. Again, you know, if you're science fiction fans, you've probably watched, you know, different, different movies or television series that talk, talk about how maybe a spaceship goes into stealth mode and then it becomes invisible. Or maybe something else goes into a stealth mode and it becomes invisible to the naked eye. Now, it's still there, but you just can't see it. Well, more into reality, we look at, uh, in our Air Force, but probably in other countries as well, at least some, they have developed the technology to make jets, either fighters or bombers, go into, be, be, uh, be able to evade detection from the radar system of other nations. And so, in effect, they call that they're in stealth mode. Now, you could see those particular planes with the naked eye, but when it comes to a radar system trying to detect them flying through the air, somehow the 
the, the radar beams miss. They misinterpret. They bounce off. They go around. It doesn't show up. So they're in stealth mode. So it's being there, but not being visible. In science fiction, it's not being visible to the naked eye. <laughs> in our reality, it's not being visible to the uh, radar systems that would try to pick up such aircraft flying over their land. Well, the devil likes to remain in stealth mode. Remember, we pointed out that God is referred to as the great I am. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, John chapter 8 and verse 58. But Satan, he wants to be the I am not. He wants to stay below the surface. He wants to be in stealth mode because if people recognized him as being the devil, well, they'd stay away from him. But if he can kind of stay out of sight, but at the same time present temptations to the people to lead them into sin, well, he can be more effective that way. Jesus recognized the reality of the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, when he was in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days, the devil appeared to him and tried to tempt him to demonstrate in some visible way, open way, demonstrable way, that he is truly the Son of God. Command these stones to be turned to bread. Well, Jesus had fasted for 40 days. And so there's the temptation of physical food. And Jesus said, uh, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the devil proceeded to tempt him in other ways. But Jesus rebuffed him every time with scripture. A preacher was holding an open air meeting one time when a young man under the influence of alcohol stood at the perimeter of the crowd and he boasted to his buddies around him that he could make the preacher stop his sermon. So he shouted out, hey, mister, you can go on home now. No need to preach anymore. Haven't you heard? The devil is dead. Well, the preacher, undaunted, looked at that man and he replied, the devil's dead? Then I'm sorry, you are an orphan. What did he mean? John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Well, this man was lying, basically. He was telling an untruth. And so the preacher simply responded, the devil's dead? Well, then I'm sorry, you are an orphan because you're telling a lie right now. The devil is the father of lies and of liars. If a person does not believe in Satan, then that person cannot defeat the devil. He cannot stand against him victorious. Remember what James wrote in James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, if you don't believe in the devil, the devil's got you already. He likes to operate in stealth mode, and that's one of his wiles or his schemings, one of his ways to lead you into sin. What's another one? Bluffing. Bluffing. You say, well, what do you mean here? 
In late September of 1864, during the Civil War, a Confederate general, Nathan Bedford Forrest, led troops north from Decatur, Alabama toward Nashville, Tennessee. Union forces at Athens, Alabama, under Colonel Wallace Campbell, they blocked his way. Forrest asked to meet with Campbell and offered an inspection of his troops. Each time they left a detachment to pass through the woods to a, another encampment. The soldiers just inspected quietly, who had, who had just been inspected, quietly circled around to another position farther down the line. They took their artillery with them. Now, Forrest and Campbell would then arrive at the new encampment. As Campbell tallied the soldiers and weapons, he was convinced that he could not win in this potential battle. So he surrendered. Now, what was the Confederate general doing? He was simply moving his forces after the Union general had already inspected and counted how many were there. He'd move them to another location. He'd take his artillery with him, and then he'd lead that Union general to the next location. Well, he would simply be inspecting and counting the same soldiers over and over and over again, and ultimately concluding, there's too many of them. I, we, we can't win this battle. Well, that was a bluff on the part of the Confederate general, Nathan Bedford Forrest. Well, Satan bluffs like that. He tells sinners they cannot break loose from sin and addiction. You say, well, uh, what do you mean? Have you not felt that difficulty in your life? Some particular sin that you have a very difficult time consistently overcoming or maybe getting out of altogether? We might think of drug addiction or alcoholism, and certainly those are addictions, and some people would say, well, that's not sin, that's, that's a medical disorder. Um, no. Now, it may be a medical disorder. I can believe that. I can accept that. But it's as a result of sin, sinful practice. And so some people, they have a very difficult time breaking the addiction. But it doesn't, it's not limited. The idea, the principle is not limited to alcoholism and drug addiction. There are people, and I call these Achilles heel temptations. You, as you're listening right now, you have vulnerability to particular temptations, to particular sins. You have yours. I have mine. That person next to you has theirs. Everybody. We are particularly vulnerable to certain temptations. Now, yours are different than mine, probably. And that other person you might be thinking of, theirs are different than yours. But we all have those vulnerabilities, those particular temptations to sin to which we are, we are specifically weak and vulnerable to. Now, that doesn't mean we give in to them, but we struggle with those more than others. That drug addiction, alcohol, that's not much of a temptation for me. Never really has been. But there are others that I, I struggle with on a regular basis. Some people, they, they really struggle with the temptation to gossip or to lie. Some others, stealing, cheating. But you see, every one of us has particular weaknesses 
as to some temptations, vulnerabilities. Well, the, the devil knows what those are, and he bluffs by letting us think, by trying to get us to think, by tempting us to think, oh, it's okay, you, you can do that. You, you can take that, that pill. You can take that drug. You're not going to have any problem. It's just one time. You can go on smoking. You can stop anytime you want. But the person doesn't because <laughs> they can't give it up. They're addicted to it. Or you can go ahead and you can, you can cheat on your husband this one time. It's okay. It's natural. Everybody's doing it. And you have a particular difficulty there. Well, he bluffs you into thinking that you can overcome it whenever you want, and then you get taken in. And you find it seems to be overpowering to you. Satan cannot dominate a person except by consent of that person. His power is limited. He has to act within limits set by God. Job chapters 1 and 2 goes into detail about that. God said, okay, you can work Job over, but you, you can only go so far. Job is a righteous man, and I could let you see that. When you think about those limits, we, we need to be thankful that God does place limits on the devil. In Revelation 20 and verse 2, we read this. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years restricting his ability to influence others. But the devil has that ability to bluff, to make people think it's okay, it's not sin, you can do it, you can overcome it, you can do it this one time, but you can beat the devil by recognizing that he's there and don't listen to the bluffs. Don't get taken in. With God's help, you can crush him. Romans 16 and verse 20. Let's pray. Father, help us to recognize those ways that the devil tries to take us in and pull us away from you and into sin. Help us to keep our eyes open that he is always there and he's always after us. But we can have confidence and strength in knowing that you are always there. And as long as we're walking with our hand in yours, you'll never let go of ours. Thank you, Father. Please, Father, we pray at this time, please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Christ's name, amen.